Welcome everyone. This is Carlos from Seedcamp um, here in Las Vegas. Uh, sorry about the background noise. Uh, we're in the middle of a air-conditioned, uh, looks like a sort of an airplane hangar, but uh, that's keeping us from frying from the outside. And I'm here today with Ryan Holmes of Hootsuite. Uh, he started um, the company in Canada, which is a great story I want to explore a little bit later. But uh, obviously, for those of you that have not used Hootsuite, it's an amazing product that I use personally to manage my social media. Um, but maybe we can start, Ryan, with a little bit of the background of, of who you are and and uh, and why you started Hootsuite. Like, what were you doing straight out of college? Sure, Carlos. Uh, yeah, so you know, Hootsuite is uh, seven and a half years old. Uh, the company um, came out of an agency that I founded in 2000. So I, I founded this agency called Invoke, and uh, we were basically uh, a hybrid product and services company. We were um, building, uh, you know, web and and um, doing marketing services for our customers, and um, and then on the other hand, we were also building products. And you know, you, you hear this story fairly often from different startups. They're kind of you know working on their passion projects at night, and and then working for customers and paying the bills on those projects during the day. And that's what we were doing. Uh, we, um, we, we built out probably uh, 10 products leading up to Hootsuite. And uh, around 2008, we started doing more and more social media campaigns for our customers. We were helping them get discovered on social media. And, uh, and in doing that, we found that we needed a better tool to manage social. So we, we built out a, a prototype for Hootsuite. We launched it out. We started using it. Uh, we started loving it. And then we put it out to our friends in the community. They started using it. They started telling their friends. It, it really grew very virally, uh, very organically, um, and rapidly. And uh, so that was, as I said, seven and a half years ago. Uh, right now, we uh, have over 12 million users. Um, we have, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of small, medium businesses paying us on our pro plan, uh, which is a, a you know kind of a starts at ten dollars and goes from there. Uh, and then we have um, thousands of enterprise customers using our enterprise product. We have 736 of Fortune 1000 companies using our enterprise product. Uh, and these are companies that are using uh, you know, our system to send over 5 million messages a day around the globe, um, keeping in touch with their customers and, and um, making sure that, uh, you know, they're, that they're aware of what's going on in social, engaging with them, learning from them through our analytics and other tools. Um, and uh, you know, so that's kind of uh, you know, a bit of where the product is at right now. But, I mean, it wasn't obvious. It wasn't an obvious thing that Twitter was going to take off. And it wasn't an obvious thing to build a startup on top of another startup. Not only that, and a startup on top of another startup that had yet to monetize, that wasn't clear what was going to happen, that brands would use it the same way it was. Was it just insane? I mean, how did how did you, how did the investors react? Like, when you yeah, were... so, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, uh, if I look back, as I said, we did about 10 different products leading up to Hootsuite. Uh, and could I have predicted success on any one of them? You know, you, you try to um, look at the industry, look at the opportunity, um, and, and you then start to invest in building out a product. Um, what, what we you know, often try to do is work in a very lean, agile uh, methodology. We build something. If it wasn't working, we'd kill it. And um, we you know, also had some products that were like you know, nice businesses. They were cash cows. They generated some money, and that was a nice thing. But you know, um, were any of them going to be billion-dollar businesses? Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, but what, what we did do in building out all these businesses, we, we learned a ton each time we did it. 
we got to sharpen our skills and uh, as we got towards one that you know who who knew that social media was going to be the opportunity it was when we started people were still having the conversation around you know is Twitter relevant is it here to stay do people care about what you're eating for lunch uh, and now we know that that social media is relevant it's changing business it's changing industries changing the relationship with the customer and that that businesses that aren't involved with social um, are, are going to uh, going to get beaten out by the market their their competitors are going to be there and they're going to be eating their lunch so brands need to be there um, so, so for me, you know, the big learning out of it is, is you, you don't know where waves are going to be. Uh, you know, trying, iterating, and, and, and testing things is important. Um, and, and, you know, if you start to see, you know, a wave happening, uh, which we did, you, you, you focus more on that. You invest in it, you double down on it, uh, and you continue to, to follow that trend. Um, and, you, and you work as hard as you can to, to stay on the wave. It's like surfing. If you just sit there and kind of bob, you're never going to catch a wave. You've got to paddle hard. You've got to get in it. Uh, it takes two things. It takes effort and it takes a wave. And if you have both of those together, that's when you see the magic. Yeah, and when you were going through that, that process of fundraising for the very first time, outside of the cash flow that you were generating from the consultancy, what, what was that like? What was the first... What was the first series of investor meetings like were they were they generally warm to the idea or were they generally negative to the idea and, and who ended up being your first investor sure so we bootstrapped the company for about six months um, you know maxing out our credit cards etc etc uh, and and we could see the you know the hosting bills were taking off everything was getting a little bit more expensive but we also had this amazing viral growth and we and we couldn't just you know bury this um, so I, I knew at that point we needed to look for financing. I started, um, you know, talking. I, our company's headquartered in Vancouver. I started talking to uh, investors in Vancouver. Um, it wasn't really um, something in their sweet spot. You know, they didn't understand social, so there was a lot of education. Um, and then that's when I started going further abroad. I went to San Francisco. I went to New York. I met. Um, a couple of investors. Uh, I, Hearst Media came on as an investor. They were a fantastic investor and really helpful in the early days. Uh, Scott Wolfgang was my VC there, and, and uh, if anybody's looking for a, a great uh, investor, try to try to track down Scott. He is an absolute champ. Um, we, you know, it continued. Uh, finally, closed the round. Got comfort. So about a year later, we closed the round. Um, and at that point, we spun uh, the company out uh, of the agency and, um, and continued to, uh, to grow. Um, we, we built out for about a year uh, before we launched our paid plans. So we were two years old when we launched our paid plans. We had about a million users at that point. And um, about four months after launching our paid plans, we were cash flow positive. So we had a nice user base. We figured out how to monetize them and, um, and, and did just that. Wow. Okay, so clearly the, the, the early support really helped. And could you share a little bit about how uh, your early investors helped out? So for, for founders who are wondering, you know, what, what does a high value add investor bring to the table and setting that expectation of what now you feel is what you would look for an investor? What, what, what were the attributes? How did they help you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's different uh, stage investors. Um, you have you know your your early stage investors, your growth stage investors. Um, Scott, as an early stage investor, was all every time I call him, he was there for a call. I bounced off so many ideas off of him. He gave me availability. Some, availability huge, yeah. I, and availability is good, but but you want to have a smart mind on the other side of the phone, right? So he yeah. was a smart guy. 
Um, he also worked in a lot of different portfolio companies and was able to pattern recognition across those companies and see the patterns. So that's very valuable. Um, what we, you know, we, 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 a couple of years ago, we closed a uh, 165 million round. Uh, a lot of that was uh, secondary financing. Um, and we used the proceeds of that to, um, to clear out early investors. Um, our our uh, you know investors at, at Hearst have been in for a few years. They were um, you know interested in, in taking cash off the table because of the thesis of their fund, and um, so they did just that and they, they liquidated their position. We brought on new investors who had a more long term perspective, and um, those investors again were were great because they. Uh, had a different thesis and different portfolio companies later stage and had more um, pattern recognition around later stage problems um, scaling sales organizations and other things like this um, and 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 uh, we're, we're again those those companies have been fantastic uh, Excel and insight came on board as well as omers uh, and they've been very good investors for us so one of the things that usually founders struggle with with, with organizations that scale to the size of Hootsuite is, is people like people issues. Mm. Um, what what was the probably the, the the first mistake, people mistake that you you feel you made, and and what what advice would you have for early stage founders as they're considering scaling their their, their organization? You know, I think um, the earliest you know, or, or one of the mistakes that I um, could have could have uh, done differently uh, was was probably just just not working fast enough to replace somebody that I knew needed replacing. Um, you know, when you're when you're in hyper growth, a lot of velocity, uh, you you kind of are always putting out the most important fire, the biggest fire, uh, and it's just a round robin process. Um, I think that that uh, if you have a leader on a team that isn't uh, an A leader, it really demotivates the team and and has a group effect. So it may seem like to you as a manager that person that they're, you know, it's a small fire, but what's building underneath them is a big fire if you add it all up across everybody that reports up. And so you really need to change out people that you know aren't performing quickly. I think it just takes a lot of effort, focus, um, and ensuring that you've got the right people working with you. Uh, if you have the right people, then problems take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you, this journey is now seven years old, and, and if you could look back and, and go sort of to the, to the Ryan of, of, of year one or two, what, what lesson would you say, hey, look, man, don't do this, or, or do this, do more of this, or do less of that? What, what would that lesson be? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's so easy to, to uh, have a revisionist future looking in the rearview mirror, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with a lot of the stuff we did. Um, uh, you know, we made decisions we made at the time for for good reasons, um, but you know, I, I, I think just some of those those decisions around um, velocity on people. Uh, you know, as I mentioned. Uh, I think also, you know, now is a better time than ever to to be fundraising in the market, honestly. Um, and I think that. Uh, one thing that I would encourage people to do is do step function raises. Don't don't necessarily aim to, to take down a huge round right out of the gates. Take down only what you need. Take down maybe even less than you need. Take down what you need for six months. Build on that. Get success on that. And then go and do another round. 
and then go into another round. Just think about it as a continual process because what you're doing is with every consecutive round is you're building value in your company, you're building valuation, and it's going to ultimately be less dilutive to you as a founder if you do multiple rounds. Uh, and I think that that's an important thing. So, we you know we, we were ch chatting earlier about the, the Canada the Canada angle and yeah. and you, you just said something which actually struck me as um, perhaps counterintuitive, which was raising in some cases less mm -hmm. uh, and doing it as a, a series of steps. Mm -hmm. But that is probably easier to do in the valley than it is in areas where there is less cash, and you might just actually stumble upon. Uh, the right amount of money that you need mm -hmm. and therefore that would almost be shooting yourself in the foot because the next round of capital is going to only be available outside of that country. So how did you manage A, to navigate the whole I'm in Canada, I'm going to fundraise from Canada, mm -hmm. to B, if you do raise as a step function, how do you manage around the issue of capital not always being available unless you go to high liquidity uh, environments like the Valley? Yeah, so I mean, we, we got around the, the the Canada issue was uh, a fairly easy one. I mean, we we uh, fundraised into San Francisco. We had a couple of the, you know, people that were looking at the company asking if we were going to relocate. We we told them that it didn't make sense. And again, this is, uh, you know, six and a half years ago. Actually, seven years ago now. Um, it was a different market, but uh, you know, history worked out well for me. Uh, I looked at what was going on in the Valley, and I said, you know, I didn't want to be there competing with. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and others for engineering talent. Uh, I just said that that would be suicide for us. Our, our, the raise that we did wouldn't get us very far, uh, and we were always going to be poached out. And and um, so we ended up staying in Vancouver with a, a lot of benefits to doing that. Um, you know, with regards to you know things that are different now than were different then, um, there is a, a huge angel class that has emerged. Um, you know, everybody wants to invest in the next Facebook, the next Twitter, the next LinkedIn, the next Hootsuite, uh, and, and have an opportunity to have a part of that. And so there is a lot of angel money available. If you go to AngelList, you can find money. There's, there's seed camps, there's accelerators, there's uh, incubators, there's all of these other types of vehicles that are out there. Um, there's love money. You can go talk to your parents, your grandparents, your friends. Uh, they all have capital. And so, you know, talking and thinking about it from that perspective, taking, you know, less uh, and doing a few rounds of, of smaller amounts uh, is definitely feasible. Uh, when you get to something, you know, a, a later stage that's going to be more capital intensive, you're going, you're going to have to go and talk to venture and, you know, talk to, to uh, large folks. But people are doing huge rounds on seed right now. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Angels, yeah, it's crazy. Are, angels are putting together $5 million rounds. It's like unheard of. Uh, but it happens, and, and you can do that with a tight process and using tools like AngelList. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we always like to wrap things up with an opportunity for you to shamelessly plug anything you'd like, other than Hootsuite, just to keep it interesting. <laughs> uh, but, you know, causes, charities, um, sports groups, uh, your kids, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, other than Hootsuite's great mobile app and, uh, and, and free web uh, web. Uh, tool. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that are out there that are fantastic. Um, I I uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm playing a lot with in my phone right now. Um, I'm I'm uh, let me let me look at it right now and see what I'm loving. Um, 
I'm, I'm, it's, I'm awkwardly, it's I'm awkwardly looking over your shoulder into your screens. I see Periscope. I have been playing a lot with Periscope. I mean, it doesn't really need a plug, but I've been yeah. playing a lot with that. Actually, you know what? Who I'll give a plug to. Um, so if this, then that. Um, if anybody is using Periscope, one of the things that I don't like about Periscope uh, is that when you start broadcasting, you can't go and. and broadcast the link of the broadcast that you're using on Twitter and Facebook because the second you leave the app it, it closes down the link is dead uh, and so what I did is I set up an if this then that and when I start a Periscope if this then that uh, sends a message out on my Facebook and my LinkedIn that I'm broadcasting on Periscope uh, when the message lands on Twitter so it's a, a pretty cool hack uh, and something that I really think is cool uh, you know cool use of an application do you know the founders uh, I, I don't think I met up with them. No. All right. Well, now yeah, there you, you guys go. owe him one. You guys Pog owe him one. Pog out of the one. blue. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Later, guys.